All right, so Hunter, um, obviously with COVID-19 being, actually we should probably figure out, are we calling this COVID-19? Are we going uh, coronavirus here? Because it's going to be a huge decision we're making right now. I suppose. Uh, let's go coronavirus. I feel like that's what it's been <laughs> labeled as in the media. You know, I was talking to a med school student today who is talking about the, how they name viruses and things like that. With COVID-19, each little letter and number means something different. So I'm all for uh, coronavirus. <sighs> See, I've always been a lifelong, well, not lifelong, but I've been a corona fan for quite some time. And I just feel like the beverage is, is getting an unfair shake here. But we'll go with coronavirus. So... <laughs> All right, let's start over here. We are welcome everybody back to uh, what I'm referring to March Corona Madness. Um, we our first thing on our outline today is really just initial thoughts, and and for me, Hunter, it's it's more of a rant. Um, this has been bothering me for quite some time. Just listening to how all this is, has built over the last couple of weeks, and just. Um, a mix of our lack of preparedness as a country, as a state, um, you know, I would say as a district, but our district takes a lot of cues from, you know, the state and where everything else is going. But just we saw this coming. Um, I know for a fact that businesses were told about how bad this could be three to four weeks ago. Um, and, and yet it just seemed like everything played out in slow motion. So that's part of it. And so obviously that's extremely frustrating. I think that it just puts a lot of people unnecessarily at in harm's risk. And that has been incredibly frustrating. But on top of that, like just when you look at society and, and I certainly don't want this podcast to be a platform to get political, but the divisiveness in this country is just startling. And just the fact that people can say, you know, the media is doing all this or it's a left wing thing or it's a right wing thing or this is a conspiracy or, or whatever else. And it's just I can't stand listening to that. And I can't understand why people would come at it that way. Like in my mind, the media doesn't shut down countries like Italy or South Korea or China or do those things. The media doesn't suspend billion dollar operations like the NCAA and Major League Baseball and the NBA. Like none of that has anything to do with the media. So the fact that people can sit back and blame those things instead of just like realizing that this is a very serious thing and their actions and the things they say carry a lot of weight to people. And and, and ju you just throw out H1N1 or the swine flu or anything else. And then it's like, in my mind, I don't understand what what is an acceptable number of people that have to die. Like. If we can over-prepare now and nothing happens, fantastic. I, I saw a tweet um, by a superintendent a couple weeks, a couple days ago that was, you know what, if we go through and we do all these steps and weeks later we look back and say we wasted our time and we over-prepared, fantastic. That might be great. We'll never know the impact of those decisions. But if we under-prepare, the impact of that decision is going to be incredibly obvious and, and people are going to get hurt. And for me personally, as somebody that has two young children and having to sit them down this afternoon and explain to them, like, they're not going to go to school for four weeks. And, and I'm lucky I have children that love school and they love to learn. And it was the most heartbreaking thing I could explain to my daughter. Um, my son, I mean, it, he's whatever he doesn't, it, he gets it, but he's more upset that we might have to, you know, look at um, their great grandma, my, my wife's grandma, like, we might have to 
cut off some visits there, or we probably won't be able to see my parents or limit the number of times that we go visit my in-laws, which of course live three blocks away. You know, um, they don't, as a five and seven year old, they don't understand that, you know, they could carry these things and, and, and give those to the people that they love and, and, and those types of things. And, you know, moving forward as a district, the most frustrating part is like, how do we handle what we're doing? And, 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 you know, the pushback that we get for community seems to be more along the lines of like, Oh, somebody has to watch my kids now. And, you know, I, I, I just feel like people need to realize the, the role that school plays in their lives and what their what it plays in their children's lives. And just in general, the role schools play in a community. I think it's completely undersold until something like this happens. And all of a sudden, you've got to fill in the gap that schools are providing, let alone learning. I mean, we're trying to juggle distance learning and standards, but at the same time, how do we feed kids and how do we protect kids and how do we limit um, exposure to what could potentially be an incredibly dangerous virus? And so these are the things that have been really, really frustrating me over the past uh, couple of days, couple of weeks. And it, it just felt like this was watching a car wreck in slow motion. Like we could have seen the writing on the wall three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Like it was a matter of time. And, and, and this is where we're at. And now potentially losing weeks and weeks of instruction. And there could be large gaps of instruction and skills and standards that kids will never see. And then what happens? This summer, we forgive the days and then we just send them on to the next grade. Like that, I really struggle with that as an educator. So, um, okay, rant over. I'm going to let you kind of jump in and, and, um, I know it kind of monotonized the time there, but I had to get that off my chest and I'm just glad <laughs> that I have a platform to be able to do that. So, all right, you could process whatever you want. Uh, Hunter, how are you feeling about all of this, especially as a new teacher that like, I want to be clear, this is not normal. This is not something hopefully you ever have to deal with again, but I would imagine from your side of things, like I, I, where do you go? What do you do? Like, I don't know. Right. I think I sort of fit along with the general consensus of just a sense of confusion and a little bit of this feeling of being overwhelmed with misinformation and not really knowing where to go next because literally nobody knows where to go next um, because it's never happened like this before. And we've never had a situation this, I guess dire maybe isn't the right word right now, but it's it's going to get to that point. I mean, the way that this is escalating, I think the thing for me that's been so frustrating is you talk about media and their role and, and, and the fact that these organizations and groups are shutting down, you know, seasons, you know, or tournaments or whatever. They're not doing that for any reason that's caused by the media, like you said. They're not being influenced by the media. They're doing it to save lives. Um, they really should have done this much, much, much earlier. The thing that I have frustrations with are the people that somehow all of a sudden have studied epidemiology and have been on the front lines of, you know, handling pandemics and are giving all this advice and all this. No, you don't know what you're talking about. Let the experts come out and talk about it. And I know we said we don't get very political, you know, on this podcast, but, you know, when it's human lives at stake for when we look for leadership you know, there's there was a chance and an opportunity for this administration to 
to make that leadership known. And I, it's has yet to be to be seen, I suppose. Um, so I, I would say that's where my f- current frustration, I guess, with the this outbreak sort of lies right now. I feel very privileged with my situation, with where I'm at, and where I think a lot of us feel privileged, where we can joke about, you know, oh, coronavirus or oh, COVID-19 or whatever. But really, it's it's coming up so much faster than anyone can ever imagine that now it's it's becoming serious. Um, and I think if if we had some, had some better leadership earlier on, if this was something that was you know taken seriously much 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 earlier, we would be I feel like in a much better situation. But you know what's done is done. We're in the situation now, um, and so as a first year teacher, I suppose. I do feel overwhelmed. I'm just sort of waiting to hear what I need to do. Um, I guess the biggest thing I'm trying to do is keep an open mind and be flexible with whatever that means for me, whether it's online learning, whether it's learning how to use new types of technology, whether it's emailing students, you know, whatever my school is going to ask of me. Um, I think that's just where I'm at is having to keep an open mind as I'm sure a lot of teachers so, are. So, I mean, how do you how how do you go about telling teachers, to, you know, what's going to happen next? So today, I we went through something that, as an administrator or really as a teacher, I never thought I would have to do. Um, we actually had uh, one of our teachers was exposed. Well, and by exposed, I mean their husband had a coworker whose spouse was exposed by somebody else's spouse. So like there's a two or three degrees of separation, but that was enough for our district to trigger um, that that teacher was going to self quarantine for 14 days. And we had, we called in every custodian uh, in the district to start disinfecting the middle school yesterday, which is, is a Sunday. That's pretty intense. And so then today, they went back in and they were still working. And so we got inundated. We, we actually canceled um, today and tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, um, and treating it more like a snow day, um, more so than anything. And we made that call at 8.30, 8 o'clock last night. And so pretty late, um, late in the game. And, and so then that, that leads a lot of teachers stuck with, when do I get my stuff? Where do I get my curriculum? Do I need to get my computer? All of that stuff. And so we we met as a district administrative uh, group this morning. And one of the first things we did was said, okay, we're going to open up the buildings from 12 to 2 today. But then our building's so large that we could only let first floor teachers, second floor teachers come at different times because otherwise then that puts us over the 50 people mark. Um which then, of course, is it goes against state guidelines. So we were letting teachers in, staggering them as best we can, and, and just having conversations with teachers about, well, what's going to happen and what's going to go. And, and we were kind of stuck in a holding pattern because the governor was going to have another press conference today at 4.30, and we were really hoping we would get more direction this afternoon based on what the governor said and, and anybody that saw it. Um, worst case scenario was she was going to be really vague with what she wanted. And um, I feel like that's kind of where we're at. So when the governor recommends a four week closure, um, that's, that's what we're going to do. So I think right now we're closed until April 13th. Um, But then when, when teachers come in, what do you tell them? 
All right. So you're going to have four weeks that you're not going to have to make up. And what do you need to grab? So, you know, curriculum materials, uh, computer. Um, we met this morning and, and really what we're going to do as a, as a school district and as a, as a staff at Fort Dodge Middle School is we're going to try to provide some online PD. So like a flexible online hybrid model that um, even though we can't see you, even though we can't um, allow you to meet directly with your PLC partners or your teams, we're going to give you some opportunities to, to PLC. And so we kind of went into crisis mode this morning and, and for me personally, and just the way that my brain works, um, it was an interesting mental exercise because my head is thinking 40 different directions. I'm, I'm trying to decide what's best for my students, what's best for my staff, what's best for the, the community at the whole. And, and how does that, how do we do that? How do we get buy-in from teachers? And so um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to provide some, some modules based on some different learning things that we want and um, give teachers that opportunity. You know, one of the things that, um, teachers always complain about is not having time. Um, when am I going to have time to do this? And when are we going to have time to do that? Well, guess what? I'm about to give you all the time in the world to do all of those things. But when we roll it out, that's the attitude that we have to have. And we're, you know, we want teachers to have a voice in it. And so we're going to start with, you know, we're on spring break, luckily. So that buys us some time. But my message to staff is going to be the next three, four days, take care of your family. Like I, I, I can only speak for my own family, but like there is a lot of fear and stress and anxiety in my own household. And so my message to teachers is take care of yourselves, take care of your families over the next three, three, four days, five days. And then next Monday, then we'll worry about school. And then our job as administrators and our instructional coaches is to provide them um, learning that feels authentic and um, something they want to do. Like my whole my whole thought process is let's let's give teachers an opportunity to 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 give them the time that they want to do and explore different things. So that could be curriculum. It could be looking at hybrid classes. That could be going to paperless. It could be one to one. It could be um, professional reading. We're, we're going to be entering a leader in me school, um, program next year. So let's start that book study. Let's, um, you know, there's a number of different things and then, then the brain switches to, okay, these are the things we want to do. How do we get them there? And, um, I operate under the assumption that I don't assume any of my teachers or any of my students when I was a teacher know how to do things. So I'm going to build a completely redundant system with tutorials on every little thing from how you start a Google Doc and share it to Google Classrooms to here's our unit planner, lesson targets and, and standards and success criteria and all that jazz and, and kind of go from there. And it's interesting because I was thinking about this before we recorded, like you said, like I'm on that other side. So like I think about all my teachers have very little idea what's coming, just like I'm sure you do too. Um, so today was a really interesting day. I could say it's probably one of the most surreal days I've ever had. I never thought I'd be walking teachers down to their pods and, and getting them in and out as fast as possible. 
um, with knowing like one, we're going to be tackling this virus and two, we're going to be able to do, we, we, what I would say is arguably one of the greatest teacher professional development opportunities that most are ever going to see in their, in their careers. And that's the attitude and the mindset that I'm taking to it. And, um, I think the school, the middle school in general has that same thought process. So hopefully we're going to be able to take this and, and, and do some, some interesting things, but my teachers don't know it yet. So I can only imagine what's going mm-hmm. through your mind and, and say Well, I think you're bringing up a lot of positive points too, with how to sort of spin a so far dark situation and taking this time to really explore professional opportunities and chances to try things. I mean, this is obviously something that's unprecedented. So you really, we get to throw out all the stops and kind of do, you know, and lay out kind of our own roadmap for what we want this to look like. Um, As far as I know so far, we'll probably end up doing online learning. We're lucky enough to have the privilege where our students have Chromebooks. They have that one-to-one opportunity already. Um, but like you said, there, I'm not even sure before we were talking, figuring out, well, do even students have Wi-Fi at home? Well, I don't know all that. I'm not sure. I would imagine some don't. And so what does that learning look like for those students who may not have that ability, um, or that privilege to have that? Um, I, I think it's just trying to build that roadmap, but there's no right or wrong way. Um, I think it's whatever you can you can do that is equitable, that is fair, um, that still provides a quality education for the time being. Um, but in my eyes, it still doesn't replace, you know, being there, you know, in the classroom. How can you replicate that, um, you know, as best you can? Well, we're going to find out. Um, but you do bring up some important points in terms of uh, sort of this positive outlook for for our students. And I think that's why it was such a big issue is because we knew I mean, educators all around know this, is that when schools shut down, students lose um, resources, they lose food, they lose shelter, they're losing, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, adults that care about them most. And I think that's something that all educators right now have been super worried about is the kids that need the structure the most, what are they going to be experiencing for four weeks? And how do we provide some level of normalcy for them, some sort of structure, some sort of connection Um, even if it's through a computer or a discussion post or whatever it is that, you know, schools are having their teachers and students do. I think that's something that's been weighing on every educator's mind is, gosh, what are our students going through and how can I connect with them during this time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I don't, I try to think back and like 14 year old self, like, oh man, I'd love this. But at the same time, like I can't. I shouldn't, well, I shouldn't say can't, but like, I shouldn't be going out and, and hanging out and, you know, that social distancing thing. And that's the other thing, like some folks are going to be all about it and they're going to strictly enforce it and some won't. And so I feel blessed to, like my children are not old enough uh, to not be controllable. Um, That's not probably the right thing to say as a parent, but like, (laughs) they're not going to go off on their own. And like, there's just, there's, there's so many unknowns. Like, I don't know. I felt I spent most of today feeling like I was going to throw up. And I think a lot of that was just, I don't know. 
I, there's so many things that I don't have answers to. And that, that ranges from what are my own students going to be going through? What are my teachers going to go through? What are my kids? What am I, like, how do I take care of my kids? Like we're blessed. Uh, my sister-in-law works for the district as a paraprofessional and she's not working over the next couple of weeks. So she's going to be able to, to watch our kids, but then it's, is she going to get paid is, um, am I going to be able to pay her if, if she can't or like, it's just, we hedged a lot today of our work on what the governor was going to say and just hoping let's get some clear answers and it didn't happen. So, you know, I think you, you said a couple things that kind of resonated with me, but like, I'm curious in your mind as a first year teacher, like, how are you going to use the next four weeks to grow as a professional? Like forget distance learning, forget like whatever's going on. Like just let's say your district doesn't provide you anything. Like how do you spend the next four weeks? Now I know you as a driven forward thinking individual, well, will will try to grow yourself professionally. Not everybody will, but I'm curious, like, what are you going to do? How are you going to make the time impactful for you in your career? That's a good question. Honestly, um, you know, aside from, you know, your typical lesson planning and your day-to-day sort of teachery stuff, um, I'm really just hoping to connect with educators and other people that are going through this and try and talk about, you know, what does this mean for, us as educators and how prepared we are or schools, how prepared we are. I think I'm just fascinated by the chance to learn. Um, Cause name a time in your, how many years you've been teaching 20 over 20 years you've been in, you know, education close to uh, it. Close to uh, 13, uh, but yeah, 13. So I was a student up. before no, that. So it's close, but yeah, there we go. <laughs> but I mean, thinking about this, there's never been a time where this has happened. And so I think, for me personally, just talking with people and getting their perspectives, you know, seeing people from all different districts and seeing what they're doing and, and their response, I think, is development in mm-hmm. itself. Um, seeing what has worked for teachers. I've already been um, talking to one of my mentor teachers and I've asked her to help me out with Screencastify because mm-hmm. I've never used that before um, to, to sort of facilitate lectures, you know, online. Um, how am I going to communicate with students more clearly and better? Should it, should that be tutorials? Like those are all things that I'm going to have to play around with and try out because I've never done that before. Um, for teachers that have already done that, maybe they push themselves in a different way and, um, you know, in a way that's different. Um, I, I really don't know what I could ask, but for me, it's going to be trying out new things and just being open and flexible to, you know, how I facilitate lessons or how I make things creative for students. Um, But also how can I still provide a sense of normalcy for kids um, even through an online medium? I feel like every day when I'm in my classroom, I'm, I'm always starting with starter questions that usually are never science class related. I'm always asking them about how they're doing, how their day is, you know, what their favorite movie movie is. um, What's the best TikTok I should watch (laughs) and, you know, all that stuff. Um, that kids love and enjoy. And so I think that's going to be something I think about deeply as we move through this four weeks of no school and potentially more of 
how can I provide a sense of connection and normalcy with kids um, aside from all the science yeah. stuff? Because at the end of the day, you know, they're all humans. We're all trying to get through this mm-hmm. together. Um, so that's, that's going to be my focus, I think, for how I'll develop throughout this time. One of the smartest human beings I've ever, I've ever met in my life is a man named David Johns, who you know. And mm-hmm. he always used to tell me something that resonated with me, and it still does. And it's just there's no such thing as a curriculum emergency. Like you think about what our students are going through, and let's say we had class today. There's no way they're going to be they're, where their minds are at. Um, I'm sure they would have anxiety and stress and fear and you know all of these things going on and and if you ignore that in a classroom setting i mean they're not going to learn math today like that's just not how it was mm-hmm. and so i keep thinking about that and 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 a couple things like you were talking about some different things you could do one of the things that i challenged a lot of my teachers today especially my young ones uh sorry i shouldn't call them young ones um my my rookie teachers is just think about how you connect with students like you said but like this is your opportunity to let's let's flip a class let's provide interventions and reteaching in real time and so record yourself teaching a lesson post it to google classroom start building that library of different things and then it's done like um I, I think one of the things that we get stuck on a lot is just what happens if te- kids don't get it and I can't get to everybody at once. And then you recommend, well, what about these tutorials or allowing kids these opportunities? And then the question always comes, well, when am I supposed to do that? You have such an incredible opportunity to do something you've probably never dreamed you could do in your first year, let alone maybe your career. Like you could legitimately record one lesson a day for the next four weeks and have six weeks worth of instruction built and um, think about what that could do for your students. Maybe not this year, but maybe next year. And just now all of a sudden, if someone's gone, the teaching's right there. If um, people need an, an, just to hear it a different way or a different time, it's on there. If a student is missing an assignment, but you're not available to, to explain it. Now all of a sudden there's a tutorial explaining it like super redundant. Kids don't have to listen to it, but like, those are some things like, I think your, your mind's in the right spot. And I, I love the idea of connecting to different educators. And that's one thing that I'm really surprised of, especially at an administrative level is we're not the only school districts going through this. Sadell and Fort Dodge are not the only ones going through this. And yet we don't have, or we haven't had yet a ton of communication between districts as to what are you guys doing? What are we doing? How are we doing it? What are your expectations? And like I said, the governor hasn't really provided much of that either. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I keep sometimes I feel like all day I've just gone back to that. I don't I don't know. I don't know what the next four weeks are, but I do continue to just force myself to view them as an opportunity. Like you've got an incredible opportunity and it's just 
I can't tell you to do it. And I'm, I'm talking to my teachers, but I mean, I can't, I could try to tell you what to do, but Hunter, that's entirely up to you. But <laughs> um, you just got to view it as an opportunity and go from there. So uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I think you're, you're absolutely in the right mindset though. That's, I think that's the only mindset you can be in is how do we turn this into an opportunity to grow, to try new things and learn. If you don't have that opportunity, you're already destroying any chance of success that your students are going to have during this time, any success that your teachers are going to have. For me, I'm a, people who know me, I'm a very positive person most of the time. And so for me, it's maybe normal to think this way of like, and for you as well, of, well, let's just look at this as an opportunity. But for a lot of people, it's really hard. And so... But but for me, I just think, what else? Mm-hmm. How else can you view this, as as an, an other than an opportunity? There is no other option. Um, so so you're exactly in the right mindset. I think there's there's no other option but to view it as a chance to learn, to grow, to try something new. And really, if you're right, the biggest thing that educators need most of the time is yeah. time. And so now we've been given this this time. So well, let's put it to use. Let's try something new. Let's Let's... Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, I no, that's okay. Yes, um, for the, you guys can't see, but we're on a Zoom meeting, and my lovely daughter Harper just walked in and straight out of the bath, hair wet, and just s- smacked me in the face with it. <laughs> so why while she's here, maybe we'll interrupt real fast, and we'll do everyone's favorite segment mm-hmm. um, question to my children. So Harper, come here, baby. Because I want you to come. You're going to talk right into here. I'm going to ask you a question. All right. So, Harper, mm-hmm. say hi to everybody. Hi. Everybody. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Okay. So, knowing that you aren't going to be in school for four weeks, mm-hmm. what are you going to miss the most about being in school? Being with my friends and learning and seeing my teacher every day. Oh, so you... You're gonna miss Miss Mathis, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. My and your friends, mm-hmm. and and you said some learning. Now, mm-hmm. do you think we can do some learning here at home? Yeah. Yeah. What things do you think we should work on at home? Probably math, because I kind of struggle with math. Math. What kind of math? Subtraction. Subtraction. Subtractions. A tough one. Right? It can be tough, can be right? Tough. What yeah. else? So, um, what's the one thing that you aren't looking forward to at all? It kind of really bugs you about being gone? Uh, Spending time with your brother? Uh, when Hayden chases me and when Arlo attacks me. Yeah, Arlo's our big Great Dane. He does that sometimes, right? Today he did it. So one of the things that we were talking about, Harper, is Mm -hmm. something called distance learning, which means you could potentially learn from Miss Mathis at home. What are some types of things that you think would work really well to get you as a second grader? What are some things you think you could do at home to learn? Reading. Fluency. Fluency, how would you work on your fluency? 
Um, Reading out loud? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe work on some Lexia. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to add? No. Are you excited for all this or are you really bummed out? Bummed. But kind of excited. Bummed but excited? Okay. All right. Thank you, baby. Go ahead. All right. Go. Thanks, Harper. Okay, bye. All right. And that concludes our favorite segment, Things My Children Say. Um, that's my that's my studious one. She will obviously really miss having school and missing her teacher and and, and going mm-hmm. from there. But, you know, as a parent, where do we take that and how do we view this opportunity? And we've already set up a, a schedule of, hour by hour what the day should look like it's a mix of creative time outside time um hopefully the weather gets warm and academics and trying to limit electronics as best we can but you know when you're not here that's that's really tough so um yeah anyway i it definitely puts into it puts into perspective the sort of the changes in routine and schedule that not just teachers are going to have to make, but parents are going to have to make too. I mean, you were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, whether or not, um, your, or your family member is going to be paid as a para. I mean, that's a lot of realities for the general working American right now is, Mm -hmm. am I going to be paid like this next week or these next few weeks? Um, you know, and luckily a lot of the companies like, you know, your MBA and those types of organizations are taking it upon themselves to, you know, pay their hourly workers, but for the average American citizen, that may not be the case. So I think it's going to be an interesting time for parents to sort of reimagine their daily schedules and how can I best support, you know, my kid as they are trying to do this distance learning or whatever my school's asking them to do. I think that's a whole other learning curve just for connecting with, you know, communities. I think that's something that schools should do well already but even more so now, if you don't have, if a school district doesn't have good connections with their family members, then how can you even begin to communicate what you expect, you know, at home of their of yeah. their student? And, and, and I don't know, like my brain keeps going back. Uh, I, I'm generally a very empathetic person, and I just, I already know that there's going to be some substantial challenges in my community, but we're closing off. Like, um, you know, I'm, I got, I got to do what's right for my family. And so like what happens? I don't, I don't know. Um, I, you know, like I, I just, my mind racks to, yeah, we're closed, but somehow daycares can remain open. And for 25% of our working, um, class in 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 america they don't have adequate sick leave and so if you're an hourly employee at a restaurant or a bar and um, your hours get cut or you're working retail and you don't have the paid sick leave to all of a sudden you don't have daycare for your kids like you don't go to work you don't get paid like the ramifications of this decision i mean my, my heart my thoughts and prayers go out to any district administrator that had to make this call. And I think that's why a lot of them waited 
let the governor make the recommendation and, and kind of hide behind that. And ultimately, I think they made the right call, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy for a majority of our families. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you. I just keep going back to what, what happens next. And I, I'm, I'm the type of individual that that doesn't like, that doesn't sit well. Like I don't, I don't sleep because mm -hmm. my brain just keeps going about. And like you said, we have, we have kids that school is probably the most consistent thing in their lives. And really, if you look at this point in our middle schoolers lives, we probably spend more time with their students awake than parents do. Um, I used to have a, mm -hmm. a principal, Doug Wheeler, who's the superintendent at college community used to say that by now we're the biggest variable in any kid's life. Um, if you've got great teachers, we can overcome a lot of things, but we're taking that away. And then, and then you start to think about like standards, like, Holy cow. What, what if kids never get exposed to standards and we send them on to the next, the next level? What, what does that mean for, all right. So Hunter, you're a seventh grade teacher. All of a sudden sixth grade doesn't get to a quarter of the standards and now they're in your classroom. Does that mean the first four weeks, six weeks, unit, semester, I don't know, of, of next year, you're you're filling in the gap and then you think, you know, generationally, does this is this something that carries with this this group of kids until they take their ACTs and they graduate high school? Like is it just always going to be this catch catch up for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years? I these are the things that keep me up at night. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean the ripple effect. The ripple effect is yet to be seen. You know it's going to happen. Um, I'm in the same boat. I mean it's. It, I can't even sit here and act like I know what's going to happen because I don't. I'm not an expert. Uh, I don't study epidemiology. I, I haven't seen anything like this before. Like I tell a lot of people, you know, in education that I'm with, you know, I'm, I'm the first year teacher. I just got here. I just, I just showed up to the party. Um, so now I've, I've got a lot to learn, but I think both of us have a good mindset. And I hope a lot of people listening to this take away the, th the theme of taking this time as an opportunity to grow, an opportunity yes. to try something new, um, to let all other things step aside and just be the educator that you want to be within the setting that you have. Um, whether it's trying something new that you've never tried before or going that extra mile that you normally don't to try and connect with kids because you know they need it. like Just doing things because you know they're right and not being afraid to try them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Think about the opportunity to just utterly fail spectacularly. Yes. Like just, just devote hours and hours of your time to something that when you get back to school, eventually, uh, it just falls flat on its face. But, you know, at least you tried and at least you grew through the process. Like, I, that to me is just something that like <laughs> we got, this is really cool. Like try it. This is where you really try. You've got four weeks 
to just do whatever you ever wanted to do in a classroom and just prep yourself and, and see what happens, you know? Like, let's look at, let's spend the next three, four weeks and let's just start by what skills are my kids going to miss in this time period? And then how can I uh, catch up on those skills and provide interventions in the most engaging and amazing way? Like, you could do the projects to end all projects and put in hours and hours and hours and make something incredible, or it could fail miserably and at least you tried at yeah. least you you did something different like i don't know to me that almost jazzes me up more i, I keep thinking back like this podcast you know we're a couple episodes in but i don't know it, it maybe it is a spectacular failure but i'm i'm having a lot of fun and i'm growing a lot just talking about these things with you and and you know with our guests and and stuff that we include so why not just yeah otherwise you're gonna be bored oh, like i can't even imagine i can't imagine being in your spot like at least i have my children to take up all my time and energy and add stress but like i don't know what i would do for four weeks if i wasn't pushing somehow some way if i were in your shoes yeah and that's gonna be something that i need to sort of almost re regiment myself and routine myself with okay if I'm really going to try something new, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hard at it. Um, and whatever it's going to be like this one sort of lesson a day type of thing, I could do a whole unit if I spent a week or two, you know what I mean? I, th there's nothing but time now. And so mm -hmm. if, if people are really going to take the chance, they might as well go full in, um, and take it on because we have the time, you know, that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing for me. Um, so yeah, I'm or even or or even look at the first four weeks, six weeks of next year. Like design the most engaging, amazing opening unit that anybody has ever seen. And you think about if that's done and you open up day one with that, that gives you six weeks to build the most engaging, amazing second unit mm -hmm. ever seen. And so on and so forth. And like you've just set yourself up to be able to keep growing those things, um, especially going into year two. Like, even if you did that and you just did a couple things there, like, it, it it's, it, we're just gonna keep on going back to it. It's an opportunity and, and that's, that's where I'm gonna leave it. Like, this sucks, I'm gonna miss my kids, I'm gonna miss my staff, I'm gonna miss my routine, I'm gonna miss, um, being able to just work and watch people grow. But this is the one of the best opportunities to grow professionally that I've ever seen in my 13 years of education. And so we're not gonna waste it. Like we're gonna push and just keep pushing. I completely, completely agree. I'm in the same exact boat. It's time to push, take it on. So I, so I feel like we kind of maybe have just found a natural end to this conversation. Um, unless you have anything else to, to add. No, I mean, just I, everyone out there who's listening, just be safe, prioritize your family, your health, your well-being. You know, school's going to happen sometime, you know, later. <laughs> um, even some of us are still figuring it out, you know, that are in the education world. But, you know, just be safe, be healthy. That's That's the number one thing right now. 
Absolutely. Uh, take care of yourselves. Get take uh, take some time to you know do some yoga. Uh, maybe have a beverage or two. Read a book. Try that. Seriously. Leaders are readers, folks. Um, and and you know what? Whenever we get back, make sure you bring yourself your best self to your classroom whenever we get back. So I'm going to go ahead and, and cut her off right there. And we will uh, talk to you guys soon. <laughs>